Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So glad to see everybody here today. God is on the move. Oh, continue to pray for my wife and I. Our baby is so growing. Bethany is moving around. Pray that we will continue to be strong. I know many of you are praying. Some of you knew that my wife and I were actually thinking about moving. Uh, We cannot personally afford a house, but my family was able to help us with the down payment and various things. But uh, we could not afford, even with that help, what, uh, what we wanted to have in the city. My dad said, your first house, son, is going to cost more than the house I have at 60 because he lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It was, you know, it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so we were looking for a home in the suburbs. And everybody knows that I did not want to ever go back to the suburbs. And our price range in the suburbs, because I found out, you know, it's like real expensive in the city. And then like the first suburbs, they tore down these old houses and they build them huge, you know. So the suburb that we were looking at was Romeoville, Plainfield. That was our budget. Somebody like, no, you couldn't do it, Pastor. Well, if you were praying, it worked because we're not going. And, uh, oh, you're clapping. (laughs) Um, And I'm saying that because I wanted to let you know that God has blessed Nancy and I so much and that any time we divert from the vision, God keeps us on track. And God gave us a plan for, for this city. And uh, some of the things that we're looking at, and we don't know how, how far this is going to take us. This is just an idea. Everybody say just an idea. There are some buildings that have buildings and houses on top, apartments. You ever seen those? We're going to look at one of those today. There's a, there may be an idea for us to live on top of the church. How many would like that? Amen. So just everybody say God's on the move. So I just want you to pray for us as you remember us, because sometimes, you know, it, it seems like it may be just one-sided. I'm always just hearing what I need to pray for you about. That's what you can pray for us about. Pray for our family. Pray for where we live. And you might say, well, Joe, I thought you have a nice apartment. We have a beautiful apartment. It is beautiful. Five bedrooms, upstairs, downstairs, beautiful wood floor, beautiful new renovated appliances. The only problem is our car has gotten broken into three times. <laughs> that's the only problem, okay? And some of you are like, hey, that's nothing. My car got broken into five times, you know. <laughs> so I'm just saying that. Pray for us. Can you pray for us? Pray for my family. That's all I'm saying. If you're with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, can you say amen? Amen. We're going to talk today on the back of uh, your announcements or notes. We're going to talk today about Metro Praise's vision. That's the name of the message, the vision of Metro Praise. Some of you want to know, where did we get the name Metro Praise? Well, the word metro is another word for city. It's abbreviation of metropolitan. And praise means to praise God. Uh, it's found in the Bible, City of Praise. So it is actually a biblical name. And I also made up a little rhyme for it. We're Metro Praise. We're praising His name. Come on. Come on. We Metro Praise. We praising His name. Come on. <laughs> Amen. So we got a little song to it. It's fun. So that's the vision, or I mean, I'd rather, that's the meaning behind the name. Now, you know the vision is love God, love people. Everybody say, love God. Love people. And then we know our strategy is connect, mentor, send. And that just is what we talked about today. But what does that look like in the ministry? What does that look like when we get together? What does it look like when you send your youth to the youth group or you come to the children's ministry? This is what I want to show you it's supposed to look like. I want to show you in the scripture today exactly what our church is supposed to look like. It's summed up right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And what I'm going to do as a good pastor is I'm going to see if I memorize this pretty good. Now, I, uh, 
I, I got basically almost all the way through without any mistakes in the uh, Sunday school, but I'm getting nervous again, okay? So we're going to start off, and then you just read it, and you tell me how I'm doing, okay? They devoted themselves. Oh, we lost it. No, I'm not going to look at it. Oh, I'm sorry. That was for me? Bro, I'm going cheap, brother. I'm hurt. <laughs> like I was going to be like my peripheral vision. Come on, man. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Okay. Don't say it. Don't say it. It's the one I always get. Oh, I'm sorry. It was everyone was filled with awe and all the believers. Okay, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. They continued to meet. No, okay. All the believers, no, no, everyone, <laughs> they continued to meet together. They, con- they continued in the temple, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Somewhere there. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Okay, I'm sorry, I got messed up there. They, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. How bad did I mess it up? Every day. Okay, that was my mistake. That's a pretty nice passage to memorize, though. Amen. Why is that important to us? Is because this right here is the description of what the church was like in the first century. Many of you know that Jesus is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are called the Gospels. But did you know that the book of Acts gets its name because it's the Acts of the Apostles? This is the book now where you learn of the history of what the twelve apostles did. Well, right at the beginning of Acts, you learn that, you know, Judas hung himself. So there was only 11, but they voted in another one, Matthew, so they get back to 12. And eventually Paul gets in there. So basically, this is the historical account of the Acts of the Apostles. And right at the beginning of the book, Jesus is leaving. He breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. He says, wait for Pentecost, for it to be poured out into all the world. The Holy Spirit then comes on Pentecost. They begin to speak in other tongues. 3,000 people get saved. And then they go, go out preaching, and, and lives are getting changed. And right here at the end of chapter 2, the writer Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke, wrote the Acts of the Apostles. So this is the same author of, uh, of the uh, Gospel of Luke. His name is Luke the Physician. He now summarizes what the church was like. Like He gives you a little window into what everyday life was like for them. And I want to go through each one of these, and I want to tell you how it's going to apply to our lives. So, uh, Andrew, go back to our website, because I also have it on the website so you can have as a reference. And let's go through each one of these. Starting in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what do we call that today? Devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We call that discipleship, don't we? Now, what were the apostles? Those 12 disciples. Are there still disciples today? Amen. Now, where do I and you as a disciple get our teaching from? We get our teachings from the original apostles. So the apostles' writings are found in what's called the epistles. Everybody say the epistles. 
the epistles. What are the epistles? Those are the books that are after Acts. Okay? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are called the Gospels. Those are historical narratives of the life of Jesus. The book of Acts is called a historical narrative of the apostles. So you could put all four, all five of those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts all has historical. The first four historical accounts of Jesus. The other one is of the church. Everybody with me? Now, you've got to understand that the church is important to Jesus Christ. The church is not just this building. It's called out people. The Greek word is ekklesia. Everybody say ekklesia. Ecclesia is the Greek word. It means called out once. Jesus said to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So the Bible says that God is calling out people and he's building them up and he's saving them and sanctifying them. And he says the gates of hell will not prevail against them. Amen. Now you've got to say it like a conqueror. I said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. It will not prevail no matter how much the devil tries, no matter how much he tries to influence people. Just a little side note in history. Every major um, time in history, world governments tried to take away Christianity. The Roman Empire tried to take away Christianity and replace it with paganism, but it fell to the hands of Christians. The Roman nation ended up becoming a Christian nation. The story ends up turning a little bad in the end because it became a Roman Catholic nation which changed the original gospel. But within 300 years, the Shikabumba Fuego gospel brought Rome to its knees. Can you say amen? Then we see after that that Islam. Islam is not a new religion. Islam was around from 500, 600 A.D. And they attacked Christians. And you see this time of, of the battle for Jerusalem and all of these things. But Christianity survived, even the burning of Bibles. Then you get on to the the communism and man-made systems of government from the Russian government to communist government. People tried to oppress the Bible. They tried to make the Bible illegal. But God's name has always prevailed through the church. Somebody say, the church will prevail. And of course, it has prevailed to this day. That's why we are here. Now, going back to this, what's the first thing they did? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What should you and I do? Devote ourselves to these same teachings. What did the book of Romans teach? Learn it. Devote yourself to it. What did the book of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians teach? What is Paul telling Timothy? What did Paul tell Titus? What was Paul telling the Thessalonians? What was uh, Paul telling Philemon? Are you all with me? What was the writer of Hebrews trying to convey to the Jewish nation? What was James speaking to his people? What was Peter talking about in First and Second Peter? What was John talking about to the churches scattered throughout Asia at that time in First, Second, and Third John? And what is that crazy book with four horsemen talking about in Revelation? Somebody said the apostles' teaching. We need to know the apostles' teaching. And that's what we call discipleship. Everyone say discipleship. Now, that's what they were doing in Acts 2.42. But let's see where they got that idea from. Go to Matthew chapter 28. Let's see if they were doing what Jesus commanded them to do. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. If you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. Waiting for some of you. Let's see if Jesus did or Jesus uh, got his point across and if the apostles were doing a good job. Let's see. Matthew chapter 28, verse uh, 18 says, Then Jesus came to them. This is his disciples. This is before he leaves. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? Everybody say, Disciples. 
He doesn't say go and make church members. He doesn't say, hey, do you want to come sign up and be a part of the First Presbyterian Church Metro Praise membership? No, he says go and make disciples of what? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Sometimes people say, well, I've been baptized. Well, that doesn't make you a disciple. How many know I could baptize a pig, but it's still a pig? Hello? When I was on drugs, you could have baptized me, but I still would have been on drugs. Do we believe in baptism? Absolutely. Jesus teaches it. But what is the sign of the disciple? Is it baptism? No, it's knowing the commands of Jesus and following them. He says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, to observe all the commands I've given you. Well, going back to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, what does it say they were doing? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings. Oh, come on, somebody. Aren't you happy that the Bible can be understood? Aren't you happy I'm not talking it in Latin today? We understand this, don't we? And it's a beautiful thing. All of us are to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, how does that relate to you here at Metro Praise? Well, let me just give you a few ways to be discipled. Number one, you get into the 101 class. We wrote a book, uh, Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth. You receive this booklet. It talks about Christianity. It talks about basic doctrines. You go through that book. How many have gone through it or are going through it right now? Amen. The rest of you, you need to go through it. It's a book of discipleship. It teaches the apostles' teachings. Where do we get the idea from the Trinity from? The apostles' teaching. Do you know that the thing that separates us from the Roman Catholic Church and any other religion is that we only get our Bible, our truth from the Bible? Now you might say, oh, well, don't Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons do that? No, they don't. And you can join our second Bible class and you'll learn that they do not use this. Jehovah Witnesses were found in the 1800s by a man named Charles Taz, uh, Charles Taz Russell and Judge B. Rutherford. And these gentlemen took extra biblical information and put it into the Bible. The translation they give you when they knock on your door is called the New World Translation. And let me explain that to you. That New World Translation is a make-believe translation of the Bible. Meaning, if I was to take the original Greek and Hebrew, your Bible was originally in Greek and Hebrew, and translate it, I better have a degree in that language. Ought I to do that? Ought I to know that? The writers of the New World Translation did not go from the original Greek and Hebrew. They went from the English and then put their new English on top of that. That is incorrect. You do not go from my Bible and say, well, I think it should say this, and I think it should go this way. No, when you translate the Bible, you go from the Greek and the Hebrew. You might say, okay, well, what about the Mormons? Well, the whole story about the Mormons is that they believe this man named Joseph Smith saw a vision in New York City when he just happened to be gold digging and treasure hunting, that he happened to find a golden tablet that had Egyptian hieroglyphics on it, and he had magical glasses, and he could read and interpret the Egyptian hieroglyphics because he could never do it again and prove he knew how to do it but he had these magical glasses and he did it translated that book and that became the book of mormon and when you talk to a mormon that is the book that has authority over the bible can you say amen why are we talking about this why because it's important for you to know the apostles teachings it's not, why, you know, why I pray to the mother of Guadalupe. Well, that's wonderful if you love the mother of Guadalupe. But did the apostles teach us to pray to the mother of Guadalupe? You may get offended, but you can still listen to me. Come on, it's tight, but it's right. 
Listen to me. If the Bible told me to jump up on one leg, I would do it and I wouldn't care how much of a fool I would look like. But I will not be a fool for man's doctrines. I will not be a fool for what men teach. We can only follow the Bible. You might say, Pastor, well, we're in a storefront church, and who are you to judge these people? Listen to me. I am a fundamental evangelical Christian. There's about one billion of us on the planet right now, okay? There's over 500 million Pentecostal, Spirit-filled believers just like us, so we're not alone. Amen? It's not hard to understand. What I'm teaching you now grows faster in China than any other religion. Right now, Islam is very upset with us because in the Muslim nations of Africa, like Sudan and Dofar and these places around there, and also in the Muslim nations like Iran right now there's massive revival of Christianity coming because people can see the truth it's the apostles teaching it's not the teachings of Muhammad it's not the teachings of a pope it's not the teachings of a pastor it is what the apostles taught we have it right here it's called your Bible can you say amen this is what we follow now you might say pastor well every now and then they disagree sure we disagree People may disagree on small things, but we're not talking about the major things. Let me teach you what the fundamentals are. Write them down. This is what makes Christianity what it is. It's found in the Apostles' Creed. It's found in the Nicene Creed. It's found in the Athanasian Creed. There's three major creeds. It's called the Apostles' Creed, the Nicenean Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. A-T-H-A-S-A-S-I-A-N. Athanasian Creed. From a man named Athanasius. Actually, my wife has a female version of that, Athanasia. Her Greek name is Athanasia, is the female version of Athanasius. Here are the fundamentals. Number one, there is one God. He reveals himself in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How did Jesus teach us to baptize? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He didn't say in the names. There's not three gods. There's one God. The one name is Jehovah. Translated Lord in your Old Testament. It's originally in the Hebrew, Yohevahe, the Tetragrammaton, the name of God. One name in the name of what we call God in English, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's one God revealed in three persons. Somebody say Trinity. Trinity. Number two, Jesus, the Son of God, is fully God and fully man. He was God in all of eternity. He had a nature that was spiritual. He was always with the Father. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is fully God. But what makes Him unique now is in John 1, 14, the Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus then became a man. He wasn't half man and half God. He was 100% man and 100% God. The Bible says when he came on the earth, he laid aside his privileges as deity, and he walked among us as a man. That means he didn't have fire in his eyes and melt steel and fly around like a bird. He walked as a man, but he was still God in nature. Are you with me? The third thing is, is that the Bible, 66 books, as we've preserved it, is the infallible Word of God. It's the infallible and inerrant Word of God. We don't believe in apocryphal literature, though we understand it's historically accurate in some ways. The, the book of Maccabees and some of the literature that Catholic uh, people use, we understand it. We have, we have respect for the shepherd of Hermes in the book of Maccabees. But we do not consider it to be the same inspired scripture as the 27 books of the New Testament. And you might say, Pastor, where are you getting these from? I just told you those three creeds, church history. This is how you were established. The apostles teach. Everybody say, the apostles teaching. Number four, salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. We are not saved 
by you doing as much as you can, 90%, and then God just puts 10% on top of that. That is faith plus works. We do not believe in that. When Martin Luther was in Germany as a Catholic priest and he was studying the Bible, he read Romans chapter 5, verse 1, which it says, The righteous are justified by faith. He said to himself, I wasn't taught that. I was taught that I was justified through the communion of transubstantiation of the blood and the water of the, of the wine and the, 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 the wafer becoming blood and flesh. I am saved by my good works, by the... Um, the sacraments of the Catholic Church, that is not true. He said, the Bible teaches I'm justified by faith alone. He then wrote out the five fideos, which are uh, the five solas, rather, in Latin. Sola de fideo, that means only by faith. Sola de gracia, only by grace. Sola de scriptura, only by the scripture. Sola de gloria, only for the glory of God. And sola de Cristo, it's all about Christ. Somebody say, bring it on. So number four is salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Number five is this God we talked about who came in the form of Jesus will judge everyone and their eternal soul will spend eternity in heaven or hell. There it is. That's the fundamentals. Yeah, some people sprinkle, dip, you know, baptize. Yeah, some people may um, have clergy and different forms of church government. They call it high church, big fancy hats. There's a lot of people that are, are you know, expressing worship in different ways. Some sing a hymn with an organ. Some sing a cappella. But listen to me. All of that is non-essential. These are called the fundamentals. This is what we know from those three creeds that I taught you about. That is church history. That is how we know. That's the apostles' teaching. That's what you are to live by. Can you say amen? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Are you being discipled right now under the apostles' teaching? If you start right now on the 101, you can ask all of your questions. You don't need to be indoctrinated by us or brainwashed. Start to ask your questions. You may say, well, pastor, I was taught that Mary is a co-redemptress with Jesus Christ and that she shares, you know, redemptive ability. And if I can't find Jesus, I can call on Mary. We're not going to disrespect you. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about where the prayers of Mary and saints came from. We'll show you in history. They're not until the 8th and ninth century. Are you with me? Some of you may just say, you know, well, I'm not hung up on religion, Joe, but I'm just hung up on this whole idea that there's a perfect word of God. You know, if I tell one person, meet me at the store at 8, and I'm going to buy eggs, and, I tell, and then he tells the next person, they tell the next person, you know, the telephone game. By the time that message gets to the last person, they're going to say, you know, you know buy a, uh, a scooter. You know, it's going to lose its total meaning. How is this Bible perfect? Well, when you ask that question, we're going to teach you about the 27,000 manuscripts of the New Testament that verify its validity. This is not something I just made up. You know, somebody might say, well, I'll write a letter and I'll say, this is the Word of God. Well, that's been tried before by, like I said, the Mormons and the Quran. But there's something different about the apostles' teachings. It's that it's historically accurate. It provides prophecy. It provides evidence. And we challenge everyone to do that. And we not only have the New Testament, but we also have the Jewish Bible, which is, you know, the, the, um, the Torah, the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. And this is also verified. And we found the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, books that are, you know, over a thousand years old. And we see them match with our Isaiah and the Old Testament. We've got the Word of God. So we'll answer those questions. Somebody say, be discipled. Also under this, go back to the website for me, brother. Also under our discipleship, you know what Metro Praise also offers you? We offer you a chance to go into ministry. We are starting right now a Bible college. That is, uh, uh, the Bible college is in New Orleans and in Oakland, and they want to start a campus here in Chicago. It's fully accredited. It works with FAFSA. 
It's where I got my degree from. And now with the Internet, we're able to have an Internet campus here. You're able to go to school and get an accredited degree. And also, as I'm in seminary right now getting my master's degree, our goal by fall of 2009 is to have a fully accredited Bible college with doctors uh, with their Ph.D. in biblical studies to do the classes here and to actually have chapels here. And those are some of the things that we're going to do. Go all the way down to the ministry one with the text. You've got to go down a little bit. Somebody say, be disciple. So you can join the 101. That's what I would recommend to you right now. Up right there. Thank you. And you can also get involved in the Bible college. Now the Bible says, and they devoted themselves to fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. fellowship. How many just like to eat and have fun? See, do you think it's any coincidence that, it, that it's like they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and teaching and fellowship? No, it goes hand in hand. Because if all I give you is day after day, this is the Word of God, this is how it is, you know, we don't, we don't feel it. We'll get discouraged. That's like communism, you know, that's like indoctrination. But you know what? Uh, the Pickens family has invited my family you know, to come over to celebrate this, this new baby dedication. We're going to fellowship. Last week I was at uh, the other house eating, your guys' house eating ibaritos and arroz con candules. Did I say it right? Amen. And I love the fellowship. Amen. I've been fellowshipping a little too much. I mean, I'll just tell you, I, I have a pastor friend in the city. We went out to Long Grove. We got a hotel out there. It's Sugar Grove. It's next to Long Grove. It's a little small community. Got a nice hotel Friday night. Stayed up playing cards, talking about Jesus. Woke up the next day, went window shopping, took care of my baby. You know, got her little candles and different things. And, and I wasn't done fellowshipping because they had to go home. So I came back to the city, and I called up David and Araceli. And I said, man, can I just come over, man? Can we just hang out with you and sit on your couch? And they said, yeah, I think so. It's like, you know, what are we going to say? Tell him no. He knows where we live. So anyway, I'm kidding. So they were very hospitable. They love me. I love you too. We love each other. And then, you know, you know, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. And then we got Ishmael and Robin involved. And before we know it, we were playing putt-putt. And uh, the ones that were, that were the humblest, the uh, Carrascos, ended up kicking all of our butts. And uh, that's fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. You can get involved in fellowship right now with the adult ministry, The Bridge. Tuesday nights, Ishmael says, hey, let's just get together. You might say, well, Tuesdays don't work for me. Well, Friday nights at the Carrasco's house, they have a small group, and a part of that is fellowship. You see, part of us being Christians is sharing life together. You're going to probably hear me use a lot of examples with Islam because I just went to a conference the other day. And one of the things I was learning about Islam is they were saying, Joe, number one, if you're expecting someone from Islam to change overnight, it's probably not going to happen. The average Muslim takes about two years. The ones that are Christians say it took them two years to change for them to understand the grace of God and that Jesus is not the American government because so often they think Christians are George Bush bombing their homeland. We have to tell them we're Christians. The government is separate even though we support America, etc. They said it takes about two years. The second thing they said is in America, most of your relationships with your parishioners, members of the church, is very individual. Meaning like, I'll come up to you, shake your hand, we'll kind of hang out, and then we'll go our separate ways. We're kind of like all in our own homes, big screen TVs, you know, do our own thing. They said that's not the way it is in the Islamic community. They said they celebrate festivals together, like Ramadan right now, 30 days of fasting from morning till night, and then at nighttime they eat big meals, and they do it as a family event for 30 days. 
They said, listen, when a Muslim gets saved, you better be ready to let them in your home all the time because they're going to want to come over. They're going to want a fellowship. And if you say no, they're going to get offended because they're going to think, well, why don't you want to be with me? We're family. Because the American mindset is what? Church is Sunday, then everything else is during the week. You know, I have my other friends, my other life, and I just kind of clock in, clock out. Well, we need to implement in this church not just for the sake of Muslims who get saved, but for everybody is to build a community here. Everybody say community. The Greek word for community is ethos. It's where we get our ethnic uh, uh, flavor from. And everybody here has an ethnic background, but there needs to be an ethnic um, uh, feeling in this place, a, a place of love, a community here, an ethos here, a place where we all have our, our, our likes and dislikes, but we still get together because we love each other. Amen? Where, where we find hobbies and we find things to do. Because that not only makes the walk of Christianity a lot more fun, it actually blesses us. I want to tell you something. The church was there for me when I needed it. I'm talking about, you know, not just this building. I'm talking about growing up in life. When I was 18 years old and I first became a Christian, I, did dr- I used to do drugs every day, okay? And I couldn't go to bed without drugs unless I drank, and I, was, I just had a lot of problems, okay? And when I got saved, I was actually afraid to be by myself. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but I just couldn't be by myself. I was like, man, it's Friday night. I used to deliver pizzas, get done around 2 a.m., and I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, the first weekend I got saved, my parents were out of town. And I am sitting by myself 2 a.m. I knew my friends were partying, and I didn't know what to do. You know what I did? I called up my pastor at 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So you're like, I'm going to call you, pastor. But I shut off my phone. you got to call Nancy. No, I'm kidding. Because she leaves hers on. That's a little secret. But anyways, he's like, hello, what's going on? I'm like, I'm scared. I'm just a new Christian. I don't know what to do. Can I come over? And he's like, sure. So I came over, and I spent the night at his house. Somebody say fellowship. The church has always been there for me. We want to be here for you. You can join the bridge. You can come Friday nights. The youth, today after church, they're fellowshipping at the Carrasco's house, having small group. The uh, young adults, they fellowship on Friday nights. You can always find somebody to hang out with here. If not, just look at your neighbor right now. Just kind of tap them and say, neighbor, can we hang out sometime? Sure. Set up plans. That's how you can do that. Let's keep going. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. The breaking of bread, going with the fellowship. It's always good to meet around food. Now everybody say prayer. Why was prayer important to them? Why? Because they knew that's how they stayed in touch with Jesus. Imagine being a disciple who could touch Jesus, who could hang out with Jesus, and now he's gone. You're going to love to pray now, aren't you? How many love to text and email and be on the phone, communicate? Anybody? Three of you? Come on, don't lie. You know we all love to communicate. Many of us do. Some of us might be more loners. Okay, we'll pray for you. We'll pray that you open up out of your shell, okay? But you know what I'm talking about. We love to email. We love to text. What is all of that? That's communication. That's communicating. Well, the disciples actually believed in Jesus because they saw him, so it wasn't really hard to actually, you know, understand he's real. A lot of us deal with even if he's real. They knew he was real. But here's the thing. Now he's in heaven. Well, dude, I don't got the cell phone to heaven. I don't got the email, the text message. I can't fax anything up there. I can't do a little webcam like, hey, Jesus, what's going on, man? So what did they do? They started to pray. They prayed in his name. Jesus, we know that you hear us. You said you'll never leave us or forsake us. We ask for your peace, the peace you gave us when we were in that storm and we were afraid that day. We ask for the peace today. And they began to see answers to prayer. They began to see God move. We want to challenge you to pray. 
We want you to come to our prayer meetings. The church has a prayer meeting almost at every single one of our services. 9.15 on Sunday mornings, come to the prayer meeting. Jesus shows up here. You can feel Jesus' presence. For the youth group, come at 6 o'clock. Wednesdays, when you get into the 201 Bible class, we have prayer meetings. So right now, we have two major ones on Fridays, and we have it on Sundays. And our goal here as a church is to have prayer meetings where we never shut the door. Where you can say, man, I want to pray at 6 in the morning. Okay, come on in. I remember, some of you maybe have never seen this before, I remember when churches always stayed open. I grew up in a city where the churches were always, I remember the Lutheran church was always open. Because I used to skateboard in the Lutheran church, okay? I was not a good kid. I was skateboarding in the hallways and stuff. But, you know, anyways, it was open. That's how I knew. And I thought to myself, if these guys were crazy enough to leave it open, nobody there so I could skateboard in the church, why not us trust that we can have a prayer room? Now, I'm not saying we put the most expensive thing there in family jewels. I'm just saying we have a prayer room and maybe a security camera and always a big guy around, okay? But at least the door's always open, Amen. Prayer meetings, prayer in our small groups, prayer in our youth meetings. The church has to have prayer. Just to review as we keep going. They had apostles teaching. That's discipleship. They had fellowship. That's hanging out, breaking of bread. And they had prayer. Let's go to a scripture on prayer, though, because I want to show it to you. Go to uh, Acts, a few chapters over, and look at one of their prayers in the Bible, which is so beautiful. Go to um, Acts chapter... Where's that prayer? And now, Lord, grant unto thy servants. Thank you for. You guys are awesome. Look at one of their prayers. Start off in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, they had just got persecuted. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in what? They did, they did what together? Prayer together to God. And they pray this prayer. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, the rulers together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Why are they doing this? Because they're getting persecuted. They're saying, God, help us. Verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided before that should happen. Now listen to this, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Everybody say, fire! That was their prayer. Their prayer was, God, use us. Well, let's see. Was that prayer being answered? Going back to Acts 2.42, it says, And to prayer, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. Why? Because many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. So guess what? One of the most powerful things we can do in the Christian church is actually see answers to prayer. How many have ever seen an answer to prayer? Now, I know some people say, well, I pray and nothing happens. Sure, I prayed for Alexis too, and I haven't got it yet either, okay? But I'm talking about prayers according to the will of God. I'm talking about prayers that you know God has put in your heart. And He says, ask me for this, and I'll give this to you. Or don't give up, I'm coming. And you see Him come, like you praying for finances. And me praying for my wife. I waited so long for my boobster boots. 
She's the biggest answer to prayer in my life. I'm so serious. I waited till I was 28 years old. That was 10 years after salvation. Somebody say, God is good. So you see that a part of their community was signs and wonders. Now go to verse 44. All the believers were together just on Sundays. No, they were together all the time. It says all of the believers were together and had some things in common. Is that what it says, George? No, it says they had what? Everything in common. And listen, I'm not talking about this welfare Jesus type stuff. I'm not talking about us just throwing our money away to the poor. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. We teach the principles of work and, and dedication. I'm not just talking about wasting money in blind charity. No, what the Bible was talking about was people that were believers that were moving towards the same cause. They helped one another. Are you with me? They helped each other. And yes, from time to time, if there was somebody that was poor, but, but they saw something you know, valuable in them, they helped them. You know? They gave them a hand up, not just a hand out. Maybe somebody had a job for them. Maybe somebody uh, gave them their property at cost. Maybe the realtor didn't take the commission. You know, maybe somebody built, you know that the Amish people build each other's homes for free? I lived by the Amish community. They would build each other's homes for free. You know how it works? I'll spend three days building your house, and whenever I build my house, you spend three days building my house. They would do it for free. And you know those houses were good, people. No electricity, but they were good. Smelt a little bit, but they were good. That's how it was. Can we get back to that? Everybody say community service. One of the things at Metro Praise that we want to start, we have not got it yet. We want to start community service. We've been doing adopt-a-blocks, and that means we go out to Ohio Park community. We give out groceries, school supplies. But I'm talking about taking this thing to a whole other level. I'm talking about renting the other storefront here, which would be our third one on the corner. I'm talking about having after-school programs, ESL, English as a Second Language, Adult Learning Center. I'm talking about having one day a gym, a community center. Do you know that YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association, actually used to be for Christians and it was free? Y'all looking at me crazy. Free? Yes. YMCA was started by Christian wealthy businessmen that had a lot of money in the 1800s. And they said, oh, my goodness, we're losing our young people to the streets. You know, there's always been problems. Okay. And back then in 1800s, maybe they were kicking back some whiskey on the back of a horse. I don't know what they were doing. Drive-bys on horses. Giddy up, giddy up. I don't know what they were doing. But these guys were like, we got to do something for them. So they started the YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. This was before the flamboyant people of the 70s doing all that. This was for Christians. You're a young man. You're a young man. Let's teach you how to be strong. Let's have a gym. Let's have skills for you to learn how to saw, build homes, you know, become a lawyer. I'm telling you, we can do that again. Everybody say community service. They had all things together. They would sell their goods and possessions. Uh, verse 46. Oh, here's my favorite. Every day. How many days, people? Come on, don't you want to go back to the Bible? Oh, don't get quiet on me now. I said, don't you want to go back to the Bible? Oh, that would be my dream come true. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Man, what do I have to do to see you all every day? Man, I would do whatever it took just to see you guys every day. We just do this every day. I don't even have to preach all the time. You know, I just preach half of the time. Take turns, you all preach. Can you just imagine this, though? That was a part of their life. 
Now, some people say, well, that's like third world countries. They don't have jobs. They don't have economics. They don't have anything else to do. Oh, they're just going to show up to church every day. Well, that may be true in third world countries, but these people were wealthy. Many of them had their jobs. You learn that Barnabas in the next couple of chapters, he had properties enough to sell houses and give it to the church. Ananias and Sapphira actually sold one of their homes. These people actually had jobs and were wealthy. You learn about uh, Cornelius, who was a centurion. That was like a policeman of Rome. These people had things to do, but they still met together daily how many of you eat daily how many of you go to your work about daily five times a week come on we could do it for jesus now the thing we have with this right now meeting together daily is what we call our services and we know some of you are busy that's why we have four different services sunday morning for the whole family sunday night for college students that like to sleep and haven't got ready to get up on the morning thing yet and you know got sunday nights for them we have Fridays for the youth. Maybe they just want to hang out on a Friday night, give them something positive to do. Tuesday night, Martes for the Latinos. Then we have the small groups on Fridays as well. And then we have Saturday evangelism. So there's always like a service to do. So that's Tuesday. Wednesday's our discipleship. For, so those that are in that class. Then you have Thursdays. We anything got going on Thursdays? Thursdays is the one free day right now. Fridays is small groups and a whole bunch of other stuff. Saturday evangelism, a whole bunch of stuff, and Sunday. So what is that, six days? Five days. Five days is like one of the days have like 20 things going on. What are you doing in the church? Are you a part of the family? Are you coming every day? Are you coming, how about this, every day that you can? Are you committing to something? You watch what God will do. They were not just coming because it was boring and they were wasting their time. They were coming because God was doing miracles. People were getting helped out. They were accomplishing things. They were praying. There were things going on. Somebody say, the church. Amen. They met together. They broke bread in their homes. Everybody say small groups. I've been mentioning those, and I won't spend much time on this, but the Bible says they met in their homes. So not only did they go to the church every day, but afterwards it's like, hey, Ish, we're going to go to your house or my house. It's like, hey, Ricky, we're going to come to my house or your house. Where are we hanging out? Where are we eating today? Small groups is a place that we set up where you meet in people's homes. We have a, a small group, like I said, on Fridays for the adults. You go to uh, Dave and Araceli's home on George. Today in the afternoon is a small group for the youth. They meet Sunday afternoon in Dave and Araceli's house. Amen. Thank you for being hospitable. Amen. Anybody ever want to send them, you know, a little arroz con candu? They just bless them. Amen. And then Friday nights as well is for the uh, college group. And the Latino group gets together whenever they get together. When do you all get together? Just whenever. Fridays too, I think you guys get together Friday. And when it comes more of you guys, you'll have your own small group. The evangelism team, everybody can be a, belong to a smaller group. Everybody say small group. See, it's a muy grande group right now. But when it gets small, piquito, you can talk and get to know people. Amen? You don't have to be so high. You can get to meet people. Somebody look at your neighbor and say small group. Praising God. Look, or it says they get together in eight in homes. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. What's the name of the church that we go to, people? So they were praising God. That's what we're doing, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Would you stand with us, please? What is the last thing that they put there? The Lord was saving people. Band, would you come back? And can you go to the website, brother? What does it mean to be saved? The Bible says you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Everybody say born again. So how does the Lord add you to the church? You have to be what? Okay, you guys are getting it. The Bible says the Lord added to their number daily. 
Do you know that every day we can see somebody born again? Maybe I don't see the person born again, but Salvador speaks to his coworker. They get born again. Maybe somebody will get born again today in this service. Amen. That's what we hope for. Maybe somebody will get born again at the crossover service. Every day in our services and small groups and evangelism, even in the fellowship, people can get saved. Amen. These are the different things that we're offering. Services, small groups, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, community service, prayer meetings, full-time ministry, church planning. That's when people start getting saved so much we've got to start other churches. That's one of our goals is to have 50 churches around this city, 500 around the world. My dad's considering starting a church in Fort Wayne. Ish's mom has already started a church in Mexico, and we're going to see if we can help her. So we may have three Metro praises by the end of the month. You just don't know. Amen. And there's a reason for that because we have that heart. Mission trips I also put under evangelism because mission trips are we're going to go out of the country to help these churches. And then, of course, there's just everyday evangelism, talking to people. Aren't you glad you're part of a church that's doing something? Praise God. Lord, we thank you. Now, Maybe somebody else might look at Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, and see a little differently the way we do. But I think it's all going to be pretty much there. They may say, oh, we like to do this a little bit more, that a little bit less. It's okay. I think that's a pretty good general place to start. This is what we're offering you. The church is a group of people. You need to get involved in this. Now, here's what the promise is. Jesus says, if you care about what I care about... He'll care about what you care about. How does he say it? He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, these are the words of Jesus. Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. What's the first thing Jesus tells you to seek? Does he tell you to seek your job? Does he tell you to seek your baby and your family and all the good stuff in your home? He says, seek what first? The kingdom. When we are kingdom-minded people, God will mind the things on this earth. He cares about them. He cares about the clothes we wear. He cares about our families. But he said, put my kingdom first. We know that the, uh, the Pickens family have a uh, foundation in the Jewish faith. Do you know that the, the Jewish faith in the Old Testament was all about the heritage, the blessing, the Shema? Passing it down. Writing the commands on the wall. Why? Because it's all God. And it's no coincidence that the Jewish people, and this is a fact, because I listened to Dr. Michael Brown, who's a Jew for Jesus. Don't want to offend you, but that's what he is. He loves the Lord as a Jewish man. And he did a statistic. The most wealthy people in the world as a race are the Jewish nation. Why? Because God promised way back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you keep these commands, I will bless you and set you high above the earth. We have an opportunity. You know what? America is still the richest nation in the world, even though we're getting in debt. A lot of problems. We're still the greatest place to be. And on our dollar bill, what does it say? In God we trust. But what are people now trusting in? The dollar bill. See, trust in God first. They, see, they had it right. You put God first, the dollars are going to come as God wills, as you work hard. You understand? 
But don't trust the dollar bill. Trust God. Get involved in the church. Say, God, my life's for You. My abilities are for You. Let me serve. Let me do something. And then, God, you know, when I go to work, now I ask You to bless me. I ask You to prosper me. That's the blessed life. Amen? Let's pray now. Father God, I thank You today for bringing us. We came into this place, oh God, one way. Now we're leaving another way. We're leaving changed by your presence of worship and prayer that we had. We're, cha- we're leaving changed by the knowledge of your word, the apostles' teaching that we heard today. And Father God, we're being changed because, Lord, we're being inspired to do more. God, even as I'm sharing this with the church, I'm seeing, God, areas that I can do more, that I can get involved more. Not to waste time, oh God, but to bless you. Now, Lord, we thank you for what you've done. I pray you to do it some more. I pray all this week that we start to connect, Father God, in a way we've never connected before. That, God, all of the new elders and deacons here, all of the leaders, that, God, you make them strong. Out of all these ministries, all the things going on, Lord, let them not get tired, God. God, if they've got to take a day off, let them get a day of rest and let someone take their spot. But, Father, I pray they don't give up. And, Lord... We ask now that these things we've been told to do, the things we saw in the early church, as we do them, you bless us. You said, God, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. That means, God, they got along with their bosses. That means they got along with their neighbors. They made community changes, Father God. Father God, we pray for a Christian nation again. God, not a religious nation, but a nation that keeps your commands. God, where we live at peace. We pray for our young people to come off the streets and join this family, oh God. We pray, oh God, for the the single mothers, God, to come and get help from the church. God, we pray from the guy that has it all together, Big Britches, Mr. Big Britches, Father. You don't need nobody's help. Father God, I pray he comes and sees that, Lord, prayer is bigger than what he can do with his own hands. Teach him to pray. Teach Mr. Big Britches to pray, Father God. Because he's not bigger than you. He's not even close. I pray for everybody. Let them get together. Not maybe just Metro praise, but all over the city. The good churches that are doing the fundamental things, God. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're in this place and you would say, Pastor, I, I don't need just a church. I need a relationship with God. We'll invite you to come even right now. You can come right to the front. And just kneel down and pray. You saw us doing it during worship. You can come right now and you can start a relationship with God. Before we close out this service, if you need to get right with God, you might say, I'll be embarrassed. Who cares about being embarrassed? Get right with God. And In other words, we're all here embarrassed too, I guess, because we kneel, we pray, we shout, we jump. Get over it. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Pray for your neighbor, the person next to you, your visitor. Just pray for this church right now. Everybody needs to get saved. It's not my gospel. It's His gospel. Come on, Jesus. Jesus. Touch the deep parts of our hearts. Take away embarrassment and shame. Bring those that need to get saved. The Bible says if you're not saved, the wrath of God remains upon you. You'll suffer in eternity in a place called hell in the lake of fire. Receive His grace. Receive His forgiveness. Fifteen more seconds. You know who you are. I believe that there may be few in here. It's between you and the Lord. We call you to make that declaration. No one will make you, though, but we call you to make it. We want you, Jesus.
We want to be a church that gives people in every one of our services a chance to get saved. Five more seconds. Lord, do it. Now, if there's anybody else in this place, you would say, Pastor, I may be saved, but I'm struggling in my walk with God. There's some things that I need to deal with. Some things I just need to lay down right now so that I can get it right with God. I'm going to invite you to come forward and just kneel down. And you talk to God just as we were singing in that song today. Say, Lord, I lay it down. Maybe you're getting into bad habits. The Bible says pornography is a bad habit. Swearing, foul language, anger, to be quick to anger. The Bible says lying, stealing, these things are bad habits, they're sins. The Bible says pride, greed, it's a sin. It's evil in the sight of our God. The Bible says married couples ought to get along. Fighting and bickering is a sin. Children being rebellious is a sin. Come on, is there anybody here today, you're not confessing it to me, you're confessing it to God. We're giving you a chance to pray. Come on, Lord, speak to those who just need some life-changing power right now. Oh, I love you, Jesus. We pray to a living God. Now those of you who are here, just pray. Just say, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, forgive me. I messed up, but now change me. I don't ever want to do it again. Come on, there was a day I never looked at pornography again. That can be your day. There was a day I never got in a fight again. I never said a cuss word again. Come on, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but there's things that keep changing in my life. God will keep changing you. Let Him do it. Come on, some of you might say, well, I've been saved before and, and, you know, I'm trying to pretend like I'm saved so no one thinks, you know, less of me. Who cares, man? Just say, God, save me. Say, Lord, I want to be really saved. I don't want to fake it. Lord, we know that you hear us when we pray. You don't play favorites, oh Lord. You hear every one of us the same. And we call on your name. We want to be born again. We want to be filled with peace and joy. We want to live holy lives in this wicked world. Now if you're in this church and you say, I just want some strength to do the things of God, come up just behind them and pray with us. Maybe you're the youth pastor, even Adolfo. It don't matter. You're just saying, just help me, Jesus. Do what i got to do for you. Let me tell you what the Christian life is without God. It's impossible. If you try this without God, it will crush you. Pastors get burnt out. People give up on God, say they just worked all the time, nothing ever happened. You know some of those people. Some of you even came to this church from another church saying that I'm burnt out. I'm tired of church. My parents said that they had to resign their church because they were getting so tired of normal church. They were getting they couldn't take it anymore. Not in a, necessarily in a bad sense, but it was just not doing anything for them. If you're in any place where you just want a fresh anointing, just a fresh touch from God, just join the rest of them here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna join you on my knees. And I'm gonna ask my wife just to pray for the church. Just for maybe those that are tired or those that need a fresh anointing. With all these things that I just put up there, I need fresh vision. I need power. I need strength to go forward. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, your word says that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are in the midst. And if we seek after you, if we chase after you, oh God, you will come to us. And Lord, I pray for the church this morning. I pray for the body of believers that are here today. We cry out to you, O oh God, and we say, without you, we are nothing. Without you, we are nothing, Jesus. We need your strength. We need your power. We pray, Lord God, that you will continue to refresh us and fill us up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see people the way that you see them. Give us eyes to see our life, Lord God, the way that you see it. Give us spiritual eyes, O oh God to accomplish your purpose on this earth. Give us a fresh vision, Lord, for what you've called us to do, Lord God, the vision that has been casted before us today. Let us run with it, O God. Let us run with this vision that you've given to us, O God. Let us run with it until it comes to pass. O God, I pray that you will refresh us, O God. Strengthen everybody that feels weak. I pray for uh, an extra outpouring of your spirit over our lives, over every single ministry every leader in every ministry, oh God. I pray that we will reap a harvest of souls, that we will not grow weary and give up, but that we will keep pushing through and plowing through, oh God, until we see what you have promised. You said for us to look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. They are ripe. Help us to go forth and pick the ones that are ready, oh God. I pray, Lord God, that as a whole, as a church, that we will take this vision, Lord God, and we will run with it that we will run with it until the appointed time, Lord God, and every single thing will be established. Our community services will be established, oh God. Mission ships, more churches being planted, oh God. In your time and in your favor, oh God, we declare that these things will come to pass. We will not grow weary. We will not grow tired, oh God. We will continue to fight. We will uphold your standards, oh God. Jesus' name, we will go forth. We will be faithful to you. We worship you. We give you glory. We thank you in advance for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. And we don't rely on our own strength. Ministry is not about us, oh God. We declare that it's, a, that it's about you and we rely on your power, on your energy that works through us to accomplish your purpose, to accomplish your kingdom, oh God. You said for us to pray that your will be done, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want your kingdom and your will to come to this earth as it is in heaven. We want unity, oh God. We want holiness. We want purity in Jesus' name. We want miracles, signs, and wonders. Let it be done in your name, oh God. We go forward in your power. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Glory.